Really good to see you tonight. We're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we just sang his praises. He's worthy of it. And we're part of a wonderful, wonderful group, the church, of which a fellow named Peter was a member. You remember him. He was ordinary, but was used to do extraordinary things, not the least of which was to write part of the New Testament. In fact, he wrote two letters. The first letter was designed to help Christians who were suffering persecution from the outside. The second letter was designed to help Christians who were suffering from false teaching on the inside. It was such a serious matter, uh, uh, really, that Peter, in 2 Peter, in his second letter, said this in chapter 2, verse 1. He said, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. What happened in ancient Israel, he's saying, is sort of a sad, repeated phenomenon. They'll creep in, in every generation. Paul says, these are ones who will, uh, Peter says, these are ones who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. It's real tricky, uh, because they're on the inside. They come alongside truth. Uh, That's what the original language sort of implies. And that's why they're so hard to figure out, because they mix truth with error. And for most of us, it's a little hard to distinguish one from the other. And as a result, they become quite dangerous, and they introduce what Peter referred to as destructive heresies. They have the effect, you see, the potential effect of really destroying one's spiritual well-being. In fact, Peter says it's so bad, these are ones who even deny the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Well, you would think if they denied the master, that's the Lord Jesus, then even one who isn't all that discerning in the congregation would see that one to be a false teacher. No, no, but they denied the master in a more subtle way. It may not be in their preaching and teaching in the words so much as it is in their life, meaning their walk doesn't match their talk. They say certain things, they seem to be acceptable, Uh, But there's a discrepancy between their public life and their private life. In other words, they lack integrity. There's no harmony in the parts that make up the person. And so they're dangerous folks, and they come in the church and cause God's people to stumble. I say all that to tell you that though that's a danger, even for us today, we're very, very fortunate when we come upon teachers of a different kind, Teachers, men and women, whose lives are uh, characterized by integrity. What they say, they do. What they do, they say. They know truth, God's truth, and they live by it. Tonight, we have the opportunity to focus on one such teacher. His name is Dr. Charles Savell. He's been examined, and we feel he's the kind of teacher worthy of listening to because he speaks and teaches the truth of Almighty God and has ordered his life in a way that is consistent with it. Well, Dr. Charles Savell, who you'll meet close up in just a few moments, is a member of our church and a professor at our seminary. And Dr. Savell some time ago wrote a letter requesting something called ordination from this church. You'll find out a little more about that, too, in just a little while. And I have the privilege of reading to you the letter Dr. Savell sent 
uh, to the church, in particular to our pastor, Brother John. Here's what it says. Dear Brother John, I am requesting my home church, this church. We're privileged to have the Savelles here as members. I'm requesting my home church, Sagemont Church, to ordain me to the gospel ministry. I was licensed in 1998 by Northside Missionary Baptist Church. I earned my doctorate degree from Dallas Theological Seminary, where I went to seminary. We refer to that, Dr. Savelle, as that other seminary. And he says, I am currently assistant professor of Bible exposition at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, so you see Dr. Seville repented. <laughs> I teach an iConnect Bible study class along with Dr. Denny Autry and Emery Gad at our church, so please pray for that man. As I travel to teach, preach, and conduct seminars in other countries and cultures, it is advantageous for our mission effort to be ordained. I believe this would enable me to fully minister here and overseas as opportunities come my way. It is my desire to complete this process to fully represent Sagemont Church, Southwestern Seminary, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am willing to submit to the process by you and our church to determine my status as a candidate for ordination. That happened prior to our meeting time tonight. An ordination council was convened and we examined the candidate. Not at great length because he's been examined prior to this many times over by the seminary and others. In fact, Dr. Denny Autry and Dr. Hudson Hanks, affiliated with the seminary, wrote wonderful letters of recommendation on behalf of Dr. Savell. Well, we met as an ordination council just for a little while. I'd like you to see who that council is. So could I ask those who participated in the council to please stand and turn and face the congregation just so that you could see who they are? These are members along with our pastor of the executive staff of the church. Thank you, men. Thank you so much. And the moderator of the council uh, this time was Brother Chuck Schneider. And at this time, I would like to ask uh, Brother Chuck if, after examining the candidate, uh, would the council make a recommendation for us? Would the council authorize us now to proceed with the ordination? Thank you, Brother Chuck. And we shall so do. Uh, what is ordination? Why are we taking your time, this time, to make so much of it? Uh, I don't think we could make as much of it as it is. It's a rather sacred venture. And we thought about who could help us answer this fundamental question, what is ordination? Nobody better than Dr. Denny Autry, one of our members. Dr. Autry is at present serving another church's interim, and he rearranged his schedule to be with us tonight. And so, Dr. Autry, thank you for being here. Thank you for carving out the time. Would you help us to understand why we're even doing what we're doing tonight? What is ordination? Please welcome Dr. Autry. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate this. Well, thank you, Brother Stewart, and uh, thank you, Pastor. And uh, it is indeed a privilege for me to be here with you tonight. I forgot I got it right here, so I don't have it right here. Got it right here, so they can hear me, but you can't. No, it's okay. So uh, what is ordination? Why are we here? Well, if you've been at Sagemont Baptist Church, Sagemont Church for 50 years, I don't have to explain to you what ordination is because you've seen deacons ordained, you've seen staff ordained, 
But for some of you who might not know exactly what that is, I have been given the next 30 to 40, I mean, three or four minutes to, <laughs> to share with you what biblical ordination really is. So let me begin with a little bit of the process. Dr. Savell shared what, in his letter a little bit about that process in the fact that when we become a Christian, God calls us to service. Amen? If we are saved, we are all called to service, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom and in the church. But there are some who have received a vocational call, a special call to give their life specifically to serve the Lord in the church or in some form or fashion of the church. Normally goes like this. Under the preaching of the word of God, the conviction comes to an individual, young man or young lady, and God begins to work in their heart and life and they begin to sense God is calling me to children's ministry. God is calling me to youth ministry. God is calling me to music ministry. God is calling me to missions. God is calling me maybe to the pastorate. And from that call of the Holy Spirit, the individual responds by saying, I believe that God is calling me to ministry. They make that public in their normal church there. And then as a result of that, they begin to serve, or they're probably already serving some way, but they sense that call and they begin to serve even more in that area that God has called them to. As the church sees the gifts of that individual being fulfilled, they normally set them aside and license them. What is a license? Well, a license simply is the church recognizing the giftedness of this young man, young woman, individual there, to do what God's called them to do, and a license gives them, according to the state, the right to do funerals, weddings, chaplaincy work in hospitals, in jails, in prisons, whatever the case may be. That license basically is for the state to say, this individual is pursuing ministry. And as they continue that process, normally it comes through education, some receive their college degree, some receive their seminary degree. It's not dead there, it's alive and well there, so we're grateful for the seminary degree that those receive. And that's normally a master's degree or a doctor of ministry degree or a PhD degree. And we do love Dr. Savell, even though he went to Dallas Seminary. And I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to be involved in this process because I hired him, okay? So he has been vetted once twice and a whole bunch of times with this group here. And he has passed the test so far. But he believes God has called him to vocational ministry. And he is fulfilling that. He's doing that in mission work. He's been on a couple of archaeological digs. He's been teaching for us for a number of years, taught for Dallas Theological for a number of years, been involved in the work of the church there. So we move from that licensing setting to the ordination. And the ordination is the recognition of the church where he is serving to set him aside unto the Lord. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 8, Moses spoke to Aaron and his sons and said, It's time for you to set yourself aside to be consecrated of the Lord. And so in that chapter there, Moses takes a sacrifice and he sheds that sacrifice. He brings all the 
sons of Aaron before him who will be the vocational leaders there in the sacrificial system. And they are to consecrate them or to set them aside for ministry. And it's interesting what they do. Moses takes the blood of the sacrifice, puts it on the mercy seat, of course, but he brings it to each one of the priests there and he basically anoints the earlobe of the right ear of the priest, the thumb of the right hand of the priest, and the big toe on the right foot of the priest. Obviously, God is right-handed. My mother used to say that all those that are left-handed were in cahoots with the devil. She could say that because she was left-handed. What's the significance? The anointed man or woman of God must be able to have a consecrated ear to hear the voice of God, must be able to have consecrated hands to serve God, and must be able to have consecrated feet to walk before God and before the people. And then after that process of that sacrifice, then Moses says to Aaron and his sons, now you go and for seven days, that's a pretty good time frame, set yourself aside to allow the Lord to consecrate you. Now I love that word consecrate. It's the theme of the whole book of Leviticus. We are to be consecrated unto the Lord. But here's the interesting aspect. The word consecrate means the filling, literally the filling of the hands. It's where we get our idea of the laying on of hands. And what Moses said to Aaron and his sons, you stay at the tabernacle until the Lord fills you with his hands there that you might be able to hear and serve and walk before me as a representative of God before the people. So that's exactly what we are doing tonight. We have questioned this man. We have vetted this man. This man has passed the test as that one who has a commitment to the word of God and wants to walk before us. And as a result of that, when we lay hands upon him tonight, you will see him saying to us, Lord, fill me. Lord, use me. Lord, let me be a blessing wherever I go and whatever I do. And so ordination is simply a recognition by the church that this man has been called and gifted to fulfill a vocational task that God has given to him. And what a privilege it is to be part of this group and part of this process. Brother Stewart. In seven minutes or less. So you didn't think I could do it, did you? God bless you. Do you know how privileged we are to have folks like this to be part of our church family? Thank you, Dr. Archery. It means a lot that you shared with us as you did. Well, we've taken your time to speak about Dr. Charles Savell. It's about time that you hear from him yourself and meet him. So, Brother Charles, could you join me here? Thank you so much for coming. This wouldn't be the same without you. Dr. Savell, we need to deal with most important matters first, so tell us about your wife. <laughs> My wife, Kathy, is here right in the front, front row here. Kathy, would you stand?
Thank you, brother. Now, in the council, we had a chance to hear a little bit about Dr. Savell's story, and I want you not to be denied the privilege of hearing that yourself, so could you take a few minutes, brother, and share with us how you came to know the Lord, how you ended up in your present position, and what do you do besides just what you do in the classroom? There's more to it than that. Okay. Um, well, uh, I was raised in an atheistic home. And uh, as I tell folks, um, we never went to church on Christmas or Easter or ever. We never read the Bible. We never prayed. Um, so I grew up as an atheist. I was a committed atheist. And then uh, when I was uh, 16, started working at a Burger King, of all places, and met a guy named Alfred. Now, Alfred was a little different than uh, other Christians I had met. He took his faith very seriously. And so somehow with this oil and water thing, we became friends. And uh, one day, Alfred invited me to hear a guy named Billy Graham. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know who Billy Graham was. And I didn't know what I was going to. But Alfred was persistent. And finally, to get him to stop bugging me about it, I said, okay, I'll go. And I had no idea. I wasn't looking for the Lord. I didn't even know what I was going to. So we took his church bus down to Rice Stadium here in 1981. And, uh, you know, I, was, I had never been anything like that. And when they stood up, I stood up and sat down. When they sat down, I didn't know any of the songs. But uh, sometime during the message, Billy Graham's message, I realized he was talking about me. And so at the end of the service, you know, they have this invitation where you're invited down the field. And... Um, I turned to Alfred and I said, Alfred, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to go down there. And I said, don't let them leave me because I didn't realize they brought that bus down for people like me. I thought the event was over and they're going to leave. <laughs> That's, see, I didn't know anything. So he assured me that they would wait uh, for me. So I made my way down the field and I trusted in Christ that night. First time I'd heard the gospel. Um, now, I would like to tell you it was onward and upward at that point, but I went back home to a, a, didn't know what Christians did. I didn't know I was supposed to read my Bible or pray. Uh, I got some literature, but I had a hard time making my way through that. And, um, you know, I floundered a bit. Now, eventually, I, I graduated high school and was looking for a job. And... Uh, I heard that there was this job in this kind of industrial park. You know, these industrial parks where they got these metal buildings, long metal buildings with different businesses in them. And so I was looking for the address of this business that was hiring. And how hard can that be? You got a, you know, you got a number, you just look it up. But I couldn't find it. And I seen a guy out there. He was working on his pickup truck. And uh, I went up to him and I said, you know, I'm looking for this business because I'm looking for a job. And he looked up at me and he said, uh, well, I don't know where that business is, but I'm looking for some help. <laughs> and so I became his only employee. He built swimming pools for a living and had, had to lay off all his people because of the economy. And so it was just he and I, and I didn't have any idea, but he was a Christian. And uh, we're driving to different jobs. You know how it is in Houston. When you got to drive somewhere, you're going to be a while. And so he played a Keith Green cassette song for the shepherd or something and we heard that over and over again and he did uh, basically disciple me I didn't know what he was doing but basically that's what he did and uh, long story short how I got to the church and everything but uh, anyway 
Um, eventually, uh, a, um, a youth pastor gave me a book called The Battle for the Bible by Harold Linsell. And through that book, I, I was horrified that there were people that didn't believe in inerrancy. And foolishly, I thought, you know, someone ought to teach, do something about that. <clears throat> so a guy that never intended to go to college, that was me, decided I would pursue this um, educational process. I didn't know half of what it would cost me over the years. But uh, anyway, that's <laughs> ultimately how I ended up at Southwestern and, and uh, teaching uh, Bible classes and such as that. Thank you, sir. And now you and your wife have been members of this church since when? 2015. Uh, 2015. And uh, what is your function at the seminary? What do you do? Oh, yeah. Um, I teach. I'm an assistant professor of Bible exposition, so I teach uh, how to study the Bible. I teach the Old Testament classes, basically, and some other things here and there. And also, uh, as a number of professors at uh, Southwestern Houston uh, are. I teach at the Darrington Unit Prison. In fact, I had to get out of prison to be here with you today. <laughs> I had two classes today, uh, and uh, th that's just a wonderful part of the ministry here, and I know that we've talked about that uh, uh, a Wednesday night not too long ago. But, um, yeah, that's part of what I do. I don't think we've had the privilege, I could be wrong, but I don't think we've had the privilege of ordaining a seminary professor here. Why is ordination important to you? Well, uh, part of it is that, as I expressed in my letters, I've had opportunity to expand the ministry, to go into other countries. I've taught in and ministered in the Philippines, in Korea, uh, in Hungary, um, in uh, Israel, in Egypt, uh, in many parts of the world, even though I, I have a doctorate, uh, ordination is an issue. Uh, to, to have a pastor who's unordained is an oxymoron. And so uh, I, I felt like it was something that would allow me to expand the ministry to which God has called me. And that it wouldn't close doors but open doors to uh, do certain things for the, for the Lord. And, uh, you know, when I look back on my life, I'm doing things I never thought I'd do. And so who knows what the future holds. And I just felt like this would be a good time at a church that I greatly respect to, to be ordained so that I would have those opportunities should the Lord lead. We are privileged to be a part. Um, some of your seminary colleagues are with us tonight. They also happen to be members of this church, and I'd like to call two of them to the platform now. So, Dr. Hanks, could you join us? Dr. Hutchinson, if you don't mind, please make your way here. And uh, these are two wonderful men. I'll ask them just briefly. Uh, brother, could you tell us what your role is at the seminary? Sure. I am the director of the J. Dalton Havard School here at Sagemont Church. This is Dr. Hanks and Dr. David Hutchinson. Tell us what you do. I teach New Testament and Greek here at Southwestern, both on the Houston campus and in the prison. And Hudson and I co-teach one of the Bible study classes on Sunday morning. I don't know how many churches in the entire country could boast. It is a good boast uh, about the caliber of the teachers we are privileged to have here in church and the privilege to have the seminary located here at uh, Sagemont. Now, um, you've met Dr. Seville before, I take it. Uh, uh, Dr. Hanks, do you feel good about us bestowing the ordination credential upon him? Yes, absolutely. 
No reservations. None at all. None Dr. At all. Hutchinson, same question. Same answer. Wonderful. <laughs> Good answer. That's a relief. Well, then it leads us to this. We must pray for you, brother. And so I want to, as we do this, ask the members of the council to make their way to the kneeler. And Dr. Seville, would you do the same and kneel if you don't mind? We're going to do what Dr. Autry alluded to earlier. We're going to lay hands on you. In so doing, we're symbolically establishing a connection with you and your ministry. And I love, Dr. Autry, what you said. We uh, appreciate your unstated request to be filled up spiritually, and we want to be a part of it. And while these men make this connection with you, could I ask you, uh, Dr. Hanks, to lead us in prayer? And Dr. Hutchinson, would you close us? Please pray on behalf of Dr. Seville. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have as a church and as a body of believers to uh, lift our brother Charles Savell to you. We thank you that you have saved him by your grace, Lord, but not only that, that you have set him aside for ministry, Father. Um, we thank you that you um, have called him to give his life uh, to serve you vocationally, not only here in Houston, but around the world, Father. We just pray for, uh, for, for him and his family. Uh, we pray for Kathy. We pray for um, protection for them spiritually, Lord. We just pray that um, uh, now and in the days ahead, Lord, that he will continue to hold high and fast and firm to the, to the message, Lord, the inerrancy of Scripture, and that you will um, guide his steps, um, protect his heart, guide his mind and his hands as he serves you, Lord. We just pray this in your name. Lord, we thank you for Charles and for your work in his life. We thank you for his ministry at Sagemont. We thank you for his ministry at Southwestern and his ministry around the world. We pray that you would continue to do the things to him and through him that you already have. Lord, continue to give him wisdom and knowledge. Continue to give him humility. Continue to make him teachable so that he is able to teach. Lord, we thank you for your blessings on our friend Charles. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate it. Well, God bless you, everyone. Everyone could take their seats with the exception of our dear pastor. Dr. Seville, you can be seated if you don't mind. Uh, our pastor, your pastor, has some timely words of encouragement and exhortation to you, and we are all ears, Brother John. Thank you, Brother Stewart. I hope that all of us realize how special this night is, not only to this dear family, but to the kingdom of God. It is so needed today that we would see those like Dr. Charles that give their life to the Lord in salvation, but they stay the course and then God comes back and visits again and say, now I've got this, now I've got this for you. And what a joy it is for our church to have people like him teaching the Word of God and witnessing to people and coming into the presence of those that are really seeking the Lord. And, and it's not a professional Christian. It's a man that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And Dr. Charles, I, I just want to say to you, I never go to an ordination service that I don't remember this on, on, uh, that came from my beloved father. Uh, when I told him that God was calling me into ministry, his words to me was, son, make sure God has called you because the day will come when that's the only thing that'll keep you in the ministry. I would dare say that they've, those have been many days in your life because they sure have in mine and Dr. Denny. I can see him going like this. And, and uh, folks, it's not easy. When you say, I'm going to the front line, you can expect the bullets to fly. But how good it is to see that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And the longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows and the greater the witness and the greater the opportunity. And for the Southwestern Seminary to be here now, my alma mater, uh, I just get excited just when I think about it. And then when I meet those that uh, have worked so faithfully in the past and now those that are on the staff now and see how Everything we do, if we're following the Lord, it's glory comes to him, but mighty things happen. I want to share real quickly, and Dr. Denny, I don't think you know what I'm fixing to say, uh, and I hope I say it right so I'm not misunderstood, but all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, okay? Our church had something to do when the seminary came. At Park Place opened their door, and we were strongly supportive of that, that that was the place and God was leading the school out this way and we liked it on that side of town. I believe Dr. Denny, you came with us. We walked through some of the buildings we had uh, here, which are now underwater, uh, stains on them. <laughs> but we walked around and, and God was just leading the school here uh, to Houston. But then God opened that door at Park Place. And uh, the seminary began. I was called, uh, Kathy and I had an opportunity to go and spend the day with Billy Hale and Ruby Hale. And your head's going like this because you know who they are. Uh, on their ranch in South Texas, along with Doug Mills and his wife, Gloria. We all grew up together at First Baptist Church, Pasadena, which fathered this church. My father, graduate of Southwestern Seminary, okay? When that seminary started... The reason it's named for Dr. Havard was he was such a great leader in Houston, plus he was Billy's pastor. And Billy made a great gift to make that possible. So I told him uh, that you had moved here. Well, he didn't even know about it. And, uh, and I said, well, they're back at Sagemont. And uh, I said, we're so excited. You know, our socks are running up down our legs like a window shade, that we are so thrilled that they are here. And when I told him that the school, you know, was no longer there. I, I waited before I told him where it was. And Billy and Ruby, when this church started, were the biggest givers we had. And they gave $40 a week, all right? That was the biggest giver Sagemont had. But God blessed them and blessed them. And they have tried to serve the Lord. And when Billy was like this, you know, that the school wasn't there, he went like this when it came back to the original place where he started from First Baptist to Sagemont and that we're able to adopt Southwestern over here, we're claiming y'all, okay, 
we understand, not legally, but spiritually, we are claiming you. And isn't that neat, though, how every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before, and that what this couple did years ago, God hadn't forgotten, has not forgotten. When you give to the Lord, God blesses it. And I believe the greatest days for Southwestern in Houston and the Harvard School are ahead, not behind. And Dr. Charles, you're obvious proof of that. And we are so blessed. I challenge you and your beautiful wife and family, just serve him. Keep on. I don't know of anything I'd tell you to change. Don't follow any of us, but follow him. And I praise God for it. Let me just close us with Dr. Stewart. You have anything, Brother Stewart? You, you ready? Ready to turn them loose? Would you just say with me, I'd like to get you to say this because y'all say it better than anybody. Praise the Lord. Would you one, two, three? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Would you take just a few moments, just a few seconds, and would you ask for God to send an anointing on this dear family and Dr. Charles Savelle? Our Heavenly Father, the longer we live, the more we're aware of the fact that you're not through with us yet. We thank you that we can preach the gospel in America. We thank you that we can have schools that can train our young men and women from every walk of life that are called to follow you, to be better equipped for the work of the ministry. And I pray, Father, that we at Sagemont, as this small part of your family worldwide, once again have an opportunity to become a prayer partner to become one that will minister to this minister and his family and that we can be a part of Southwestern Seminary, that we can see that you are doing great and mighty things in our generation. And so, Father, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, to bless this man and his ministry for all the rest of the days of his life. And that you would bless Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary to keep on equipping thousands of missionaries and ministers, musicians, educators, teachers, professors, on and on. Lord, we love you. We want to serve you. And we're so grateful for this night. We'll remember it for a long time but I pray that 10,000 years from tonight will be even greater as we gather around the throne in heaven and see the results of the faithful preaching and teaching of the Word of God by men like Dr. Charles Savell. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, Amen. God bless you. And you are dismissed. Yes. I'm sorry. Wait just a minute. Hold it just a second. Do I get to give this? Come up here, Dr. Charles. I just want to shake your hand one more time. Dr. Charles, this certificate of ordination, we the undersigned upon the recommendation request of the Sagemont Baptist Church, Houston, Texas, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts and after satisfactory examination by us in regard to the Christian experience
called to the ministry and the views of your Bible doctrine, we hereby certify Dr. Charles Savell was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority of these folks, the Sage Mod Baptist Church. And God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, buddy. Love you.